Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 173 of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast, an interview episode with the living legend Mike King of Youth Front himself. You are going to love the wisdom that just comes dripping off this episode with our good friend Mike King. Only in an episode with Mike do you get words like conviviality and rhythm of life and also the importance of practicing presence in youth ministry. I am so thankful for his tenured career of 40 plus years in youth ministry and then our friendship of a decade. This was an episode we wanted to get together for a long time and we're so glad we did because there are so many good nuggets of truth and wisdom for you as youth ministers and we hope that you will take the time to listen and maybe even take notes. Uh, Just know that it gets really good at the end and I was writing fast and furiously and so we'll have many a tweet and Instagram post for you from all the good bits of wisdom that Mike has for you. Uh, And we just wanted to say thank you to Mike for that. And we want to say thank you to you. If you listen to this podcast for the first time or for many times, thank you for your listenership. This in so many ways uh, is the seedbed of a community. And so for all of our network members that are hanging out at youthministrybooster.com, we would love for you to join them if you have not joined already. We just released a bunch of new resources that are prayerful, thoughtful, and helpful for you, the youth pastor. There's a lot of great resources for your students. We want to give you the stuff that you need as youth minister like this with Mike King, interviewing the podcast, but there's a whole webinar where he talks about being a present youth pastor that's there for our members to check out. Thank you so much for giving this episode a listen. We're excited to be back in this new spring Easter season with great content for you. And so until the end, where I catch in and fill any gaps, here is the one, the only Mike King. Well, hey guys, uh, excited to have you back on the Youth Ministry Booster interview podcast with one of our longtime friends in youth ministry, uh, the one, the only Mike King. So Mike, hey, howdy, hey, Kansas City. Hey, hey. Today, sir? greetings. How are you doing? Good, Good. to see you. Good to have you. <laughs> so we go way back uh, without even knowing uh, what podcasts were and meeting over a decade ago at various youth ministry conferences. <laughs> uh, getting to hang out in Kansas City and Memphis. And uh, when, when you grow up Oklahoma and grow up uh, Kansas, Missouri area, we keep running into each other for various things. Yeah, and, got and that Midwest thing. Long overdue. Uh, but Mike, I, I wanted you to get chat a little bit today uh, with our podcast listeners uh, about things in youth ministry because I feel like you are a known figure in many of the circles you run in, but I haven't always got to hear some of your youth ministry stories. And so I know you um, as the longtime CEO and showrunner for things, all things youth front in Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> I would love just to hear a little bit today about uh, your life in youth ministry and maybe uh, your yeah. storied history in youth ministry and maybe some future projections as someone who's been involved in youth ministry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been at it 44 years now, and uh, which is a long time. Um, and I'm just now getting to uh, work with the grandkids of the first teenagers I worked with back in 1975. So I came uh, to Youth Front uh, basically got involved during my high school year, my senior year. And just, um, I, I just became obsessed with Jesus and following Jesus. And this ministry was here. It was very key for me at that particular time. And so I got really involved and actually out of high school, I started working part-time for this organization while I was going to college. And at some point before very long, I started working full-time, finished one 
finish my bachelor's degree, finish one master's degree, finish another master's degree. Um, I just never left. So here it is 44 years later. Um, not that it's always been easy, um, but it has been so rewarding and so fulfilling to be rooted into this particular place in Kansas City to do ministry with uh, really multiple generations of families. Um, and um, I, I, I love it. It's been uh, a great, great life. And I, I feel like I have some good years ahead of me still, believe it or not. 44 years in and you still like you still got things to, uh, to give, share and learn. And that is, uh, I think the Testament, uh, just our friendship and the way in which you have um, been wise in leading in so many things, youth related. But I want to, I want to ask, cause I, and it's mm-hmm. a long uh, book and full of chapters, but if you were going to pick out a couple favorite youth ministry moments in the 44 years, that you have and continue to serve, uh, what would be a couple that stand out to you? I think for a lot of youth ministers, this is mm-hmm. like the exception moment of like the thing that we hold on to that keep us in the thing or a part of the thing. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are some of those for you that even when it gets really tough, these are the moments that you are most proud or yeah. most favorited? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> maybe first mention a category that's been sustaining for me uh, and then go to uh, maybe a particular moment. Um, but I like the category because it, it really fulfills my vocation. And that is whenever I see transformation taking place in the life of a young person, mm. still to this day, I'll get weepy. I just, um, I'm astonished at that. Um, when you see our human activity and our ministry with young people, and then there's this divine encounter with the crucified one and lives change and lights come on and there's this passion to follow Jesus. That's, that's just kept me in it for all these years. And what makes me, you know, just excited about the future of, you know, when I had many opportunities to leave and offered many wonderful positions and leading big organizations. Um, but I've never been able to shake the vocational calling of youth ministry. So as a category, I would say that, but then there were some other key things where, um, I early on when I was in my twenties and, um, I had gotten married and I wanted to start a family and youth ministry, uh, salaries, uh, aren't necessarily conducive for those things. And I just remember having to make a decision. Like I, I really want to keep doing this. I remember thinking, this is what I'd love to do for the rest of my life, but I don't know how. And I had to think outside of like the normal ideas that I had, or even the normal paradigms of the, of the day and structures and think about how I'm, how am I going to get creative now to, to fund myself so that I can continue uh, to do this. And so I, I started into fundraising early on because I so desperately wanted to stay in youth ministry. And so that was a very defining moment for me. And uh, also having a mentor at that, about that same time who sat me down and said, let me tell you some basic things about handling money. And he asked me if I had a credit card. And I said, yes. He said, well, how much is on that credit card? Pretty personal question, right? right, right. And I said, well, I got probably about $375 on there, something like that, which was a lot back in 1975. Mm. And, uh, he said, um, well, I I think you need to destroy that credit card and you need to start having other people pay you interest instead of you paying them interest. And he just taught me some basic things about money management and investments and, um, even taught me how to buy a car and ultimately you got to get to the place where the only money you would spend, um, 
you know, to owe somebody would be a house. And, uh, and he just taught me some basic things. And I thought, I, I can do that. And that, that kind of counsel and some of those early decisions to get creative, mm. if I really feel called to this, I got to figure out how to, how to do it. And so that, that, was, that was a defining moment for me that has led me to be here all these years later and to be able to say no to very lucrative offers because of my vocation. Youth Would ministry. You talk a little more about that. I mean, you use mm-hmm. the phrase like vocation and vocational calling uh, is kind of this anchoring uh, kind of language for what you've got involved. Is, is that a particular episode where this was like your call story or is there a certain moment? No, that's the, that's a good question because I've often told people like, when did you feel that call? I don't ever remember feeling a call. I just, um, you know, was coming to the Saturday night rallies and I heard, um, Al Metzger, who was the, the president of, he was the first president of this organization. We, we just finished our 75th year here at Youth Front. So we've had a great year celebrating 75 years, mm. not only surviving, but flourishing and thriving, uh, finishing multiple million dollar capital campaigns and our organization is growing and growing at 75 years. It's pretty rare. And I'm only the third president in this, in the life of this organization. So my, my mentor was Al Metzger, the founder, and he just had this enthusiasm and passion. And I just remember thinking, I want to get close to that. And then he said, you know, you gotta, you gotta work here. You gotta study for ministry. And I just said, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. I just kind of, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus saw Peter and he said, Hey, you know, leave your nets behind and just follow me. And Peter said, okay. And he kind of did it, you know, with me and you're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That sounds good. Let's just do it. So, you know, there was that act, that moment. And there was that moment I decided not to go to college and do sports, but to, to do ministry. And, um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't this overarching vision. I'm going to give my whole life to youth ministry. That came later as the passion grew, and um, then it, it really turned into this is a sense of calling and vocation. But I think the other really significant thing for me that really has shaped who I am today and the fact that I'm still here 44 years is Al used to tell us, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You'll get discouraged, don't quit. Um, you'll get frustrated, you'll get down, never make a decision when you're down. Um stay, stay and bloom where you're planted. He would say these things and and they really were deeply theological statements, although he wouldn't have called it a theological statement. He he would have called it more motivational kind of a thing. Um, But I began to turn that into a a theological like framework. Um, I began to think about rootedness. I began to think about you know, putting, putting your roots down and saying, these are my people. This is my city. Um, this is where I live. This is where I'll die. Um, and that really began to shape my imagination, um, uh, you know, decades ago. And in the last 10 years, I've really done a lot of work on a theology of place. I mean, at what, at what point um, have you felt mm-hmm. so rooted that it was never a question of being somewhere else? Um, but yeah. maybe the question of what the work you would pursue, because I, I, I think yeah, for a lot yeah. of ministers, it's always the hunt to find the right spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about it as what well, this is the spot. Now what's the right work? Like, what yeah, that's do? very, very interesting because I, I turned down several really great opportunities in other cities and I would regularly have headhunters call and say, we've got this great position. Yeah. And by the way, is you're going to make twice what you're making now kind of a thing. And um, I just, 
it's just it's not Kansas City. This is my this is my place. This is my city. Now, the one time that I came real close to kind of changing my role here and doing something else was in my own church. That's just you know, it's just a mile from where I'm sitting right now in our youth front office. Um, you know, wanted me to come on as executive pastor and it, the church had grown and grown and I love the church. I love the community and I love the staff. And that was a real pull for me. Um, so I wasn't going to leave my place and my yeah. community and my people, but then it became this deep thing about vocation, like what, you know, and that, that was about 10 years ago. And the last time I really considered any kind of, change um and locked in to this is this is my place this is my vocation mm. and this is what it'll be until you know the day i die what what, what are some things um that maybe have been encouraging in that i think cause I, you yeah know, negatively of like well i said no to stuff uh but what is some of the stuff that you got to say yes oh gosh to it's all it's because you've been there yeah yeah i mean saying those no's made for all you know a plethora of yeses that are just like so delightful every single day. Mm. So um, just yesterday visiting one of our major donors in the hospital and people were coming in to visit and getting to hear their stories and people that I, I don't even know personally, but have been to one of our camps or been to one of our programs telling me about, you know, their, their grandchild being transformed and, you know, and their sons and daughters went, um, and everywhere I go in a coffee shop, anywhere in the city, I run into people who have youth front stories. And sometimes I know them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes they know me, but I don't, you know, I'll talk to them and I'll hear their stories. You're checking out in a store. I just hear it all the time because you got to imagine that in this, the time I've been here 44 years and in the life of our organization, 75 years in the city, we've had, you know, close to a half a million people okay. in this city that have been involved in some aspect of our program or have come to our camp or whatever. And so it's, it's a lot of people in a, you know, we have about 2 million people in a 50 mile radius around Kansas city, but then, you know, we would have events and people would come. So we have, you know, people in the city know youth front and a lot of people have been involved in youth front. So just getting to hear those stories all the time or, getting to, you know, hear about how a grandkid is doing and um, or how their grandparents are doing, knowing that they, you know, I, I just, I was on a radio um, talk show here last week and the co-host was saying, oh yeah, my father um, became a Christian through uh, your ministry. Well, that was, act that was before I even came on staff wow. and uh but then she was involved in our ministry and so she was telling me all of this right there on the air and it was just you know uh fascinating then the other thing i think is that we've been able to be very intentional uh about how we're in the community um even the buildings that we build um you know i it's it's really impacted and shaped my imagination there because to give you a real tangible um, illustration right now. So, you know, I, I don't know how much longer I'll have to be involved in the day-to-day -day operation of the organization. At some point I want to transition and like be an ambassador for the organization, do fundraising for the organization. 
but we're, you know, we're in a big capital. We just finished a big capital campaign and we're in the middle of another one right now. We're finishing, um, opening up our new headquarters. It's a two and a half million dollar facility and it's absolutely perfect for the kind of youth ministry that we do today now. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm having to make decisions like materials we're using and how we want to do this and build this. And, you know, I, I could think it's a lot easier to make decision that only costs this amount or to make this decision over here to put this outdoor, you know, uh, paved patio instead of a, comp- you know, a composite wood patio because that paved patio is going to be in great shape 30 years from now mm-hmm. while I may outlive this composite, you know, wood deck. Yeah. And, but I got to go out and raise another, you know, $40,000. Right. Yeah. But I'm willing to do that because I, it's a theology of place. Like ministry is going to happen long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I want to curate that kind of mindset. You know, there's a scripture in, in the Old Testament that says, let the beauty of our, the Lord be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands. O Lord, establish thou the work of our hands. And the scripture just goes on to say that, you know, we are but dust and to dust we will return. But when we cooperate and participate with God's work in the world, um, amazing things happen and can continue to happen beyond our lifetime. If we'll, if we'll submit to, you know, to participating with God in the way that honors God. So it's really shaped a lot of our imaginations for, you know, how we're doing youth ministry to be thoughtful, to not burn bridges, to, to build long-term relationships, um, knowing that we're, we're going to be here. These are our people. You can't, you can't burn bridges because these are people you rub shoulders with. Well, because you're, you're there for the long term. Well, and I think that's such a fascinating way to think about it because I think they're always wanting to know, you know, how can I impact the greatest number of students? Uh, and to hear you talk about it over the span of, you know, 44 years, well, you do that by staying in one place long enough that you reach, you know, generations of the same family. Um, so instead of trying to have, you know, uh, a big group gathering or a big summer camp week one summer, you just keep at the same thing for so many years and eventually mm. impact, uh, the greater parts of, of a whole city and then multiple generations. Like I love you talking about not just the, the children of the people that have come through, but the grandchildren. Well, and two, that's the fullness I know of it is, it's, and it's a beautiful thing. And for me, it's even, it's even bigger than that because. Now I probably meet as, with as many pastors because I'm more their age mm. than with youth pastors. I, we still do training and youth pastors. I still I still love to hang around youth pastors, but now because I've been here for so long, I have a voice in the city in overarching leadership, spiritual leadership in the city. So I sit on a, an executive committee called Elevate KC, which uh, is a is a um, consortium, a partnership of, you know, of dozens and dozens and dozens of churches that are working together for the good and the flourishing of the city. We started several organizations that mimic what we do with youth pastors. Mm-hmm. One's called Pastor Serve, and it's now 10 years old. And it's a network of, of pastors that meet for soul care and for connection and collaboration in our city. And now that has actually spread all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, had a, another one of our staff guys that launched a, a, an organization called The Sending Project, which uh, mobilizes churches to partner together to do missions together over here and over there. Um, and so our, our whole city 
we have a vision for our whole city and we, we focus primarily on the youth, but we're also kind of in an apostolic sense, looking at the structure of the city and how can we truly be one city, many churches, mm-hmm. um, and, but one, you know, one church, even though we're many congregations in this one city. And so, um, yeah, it's very, very rewarding to have time to think strategically about these other things too, because in that kind of, curation, good things can spring forth that um, take time. Well, Mike, one of the things that you shared earlier that I'd like to come back to is you talked about cultivating a certain mindset. And so one, one of the questions we always like to bring through and ask our guests on the podcast um, is how do you practice kind of self-care uh, in the face mm-hmm. of kind of depletion or ministry business for, for a youth pastor? This nope. is uh, how do you care for yourself after a really busy midweek or Sunday? Uh, maybe yeah. this is more seasonal, um, but you can't stay mm-hmm. somewhere 44 years without having a plan of yeah. self-care. <laughs> so what had, what is your plan? Or it, 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 Yeah. One well, there's two, two things. Number one, I have a, a personal, I call it a rhythm of life instead of a rule of life. Um, it's more freeing and it's more life-giving. So along with the fact that we need to um, have a broader definition of spirituality than we've had in the past. When I started 44 years ago, spirituality was meant that you, you didn't do these vices and you went to church and you didn't cuss and, you know, a couple of things like that. Um, but my definition of spirituality now is, you know, who did God create you to be and the passions you have and the gifts you have, that's all a part of your spirituality. So if you love to do a podcast, that's a part of your spirituality. It's a spiritual thing. If you love to dance, if you love to make art, if you love to work, to improve the environment. Those are part of your spirituality and, and call that out in, in young people. So I've developed a rhythm of life, noticing the things that give me life mm-hmm. and making sure that I have those things in, you know, regularly in, in, in my life. And there's some traditional things in there, like, you know, taking, you know, participating in the Eucharist at least once or twice a week um, to, read the scripture to, um, you know, all those kinds of things that you would think of. Mm-hmm. But then I have a lot of other things, too, that sometimes people don't think of. Like, you know, I want to see at least one good film every week. Okay. Um, I want to make sure that I have one really great meal um, where the presentation of the food is a part of it, but I'm sitting at table. It's called conviviality. Sitting at, at the table with people over a long period of time, talking about life, talking about you know, love, talking about theology, and just being with each other for a long period. I, I, I want to do that at least once a week. And so I'm intentional about scheduling that to be around beauty. And so that might mean going to a concert. It might be going down to the Nelson Art Gallery, which I'm a friend of the art. And I go there on a regular basis uh, to just kind of contemplate beauty. And, and, um, so I have, you know, exercise as a part of it, uh, limiting myself to fast food once, once, uh, only once a month, um, okay. things like that, um, that have helped me feel like, uh, I'm alive and I'm flourishing. And, um, and then, then there's another like community rhythm of life that we have here at Youthfront. So we start off every Monday morning with a thing we call sit down where we sit together for about an hour and 15 minutes and we kind of do a miniature review of where do we see God working in our midst last week. And we kind of review that and share stories. We talk about what we see coming up and we talk about that. And then we do a, some type of a spiritual formation 
exercise. We'll do something. Um, it might be, um, you know, a prayer practice. It might be, we actually, about once every five weeks, we actually have a game day where we have a guy that's working on his master group, master's degree on gaming. And, um, and he incorporates theology into it. It's absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do some type of spiritual practice together. Then every day at, um, at 11.45, the bells ring through our office. We stop what we're doing. We go to our chapel, and we do midday prayer together, 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, do the Eucharist together, which I just led here a little bit ago. And then after midday, we all eat lunch together. We have this big, long table, and we sit at table, and we tell stories, and we laugh, and... We just, um, you know, I said, you know, I know, I know a lunch break is supposed to be a half an hour, but if we want to take an an hour because we're sitting here and we're enjoying each other's presence, we'll do that. So we do that. Um, In a couple of weeks, we'll do a spiritual formation day. Um, In in fact, we have Kathleen Norris coming in and she's going to do a a day with us and a couple other churches. Um, So we're doing things that, um, what we talk about is that this is the life that we think is the abundant life that Jesus came to bring, that we would have this life together in Christ, and this is how we want to live. And we just need to do that so that when we start our, you know, our summer programs, we do our retreats, we do our missional journeys, we do our programs, all we're doing is an extension of what we always do. It's not, you know, we're not sitting around like, what are we going to do? to teenagers. What kind of curriculum do we need to develop to, to help teenagers? Mm. We're just doing what we always do and inviting them into it. And um, it's, it's just kind of a theological turn in youth ministry that we have embraced. Mm. And, um, and, and so that's, that's a big part of it too. So we really talk about soul care all the time among our staff. We take spiritual retreats uh, individually. We also do one big spiritual retreat together. So these are these are things that we're very very intentional about doing. Uh, a lot of theological reflection. So these are the things that that give give me life between my spirit, own personal spiritual uh, rhythm of life and our community rhythm of life um, to just you know be full of of life and flourishing and enjoying the abundant life that Christ came to give. Which I think for so many people, like that's um, that's a missing element, right? Like there, there's the the, the there are the things that happen, um, but there's not happening in the rhythm um, so much so that it becomes the ways in which you plan mm-hmm. on your lunch every day, as like you that you shape around um, that prayer and, and lunch and meal uh, all coalesce together. Um, but is that always been true, or is that just become? More- it's been about the last fifteen years we've okay. done that. Been very intentional, and it started with midday prayer. Okay. doing fixed hour prayer together. Okay. Um, and, you know, hopefully you'll get to come up and see our new office. It's phenomenal. Okay. But we have in that new office, we have a chapel that is just stunning. It's aesthetically, it's so beautiful. And we're so excited about being in there every day uh, to do a morning prayer, to do a midday prayer. And uh, we'll actually open it up to the community to come in and participate with us. Um, and so we haven't always done it, but we've done it for the last 15 years. And we've seen it really shape our imagination about what it means to uh, be people of God that are in ministry, are on a journey and extension to go with us on this journey to young people, to youth pastors in the city. And um, so we really have a, a cool community of youth pastors in the city and um and young people we get to work with some of the sharpest young people um 
that that truly love Jesus and are doing extraordinary extraordinary things in their lives. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's fun, man. We have a lot of fun here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, take me take me back a little bit. So, forty four years mm-hmm. ago, time machine. Um, all the things that you've learned now. What what were some of the things that you'd speak into um, those early years, like years one, two, and three? Uh, of mm. being, you know, part-time youth worker, involving yeah. stuff, youth minister. Like, what what are the things that you wish um, that you had done for forty years instead of the mm. last? Well, I think, oh, man, I wish I would have had more, you know, epistemological humility. Um, okay. You know, I was pretty certain in your twenties, pretty pretty ideologically driven, and um, I, I I thought that I was right about everything. And just to prove that I was right about everything, I could memorize, you know, I could memorize 50 verses on each subject I was trying to defend. And I could spit out one verses after one verse after another in an authoritative, authoritative manner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I love the scripture, but I think I misused the scripture and abused the scripture mm-hmm. a lot for my own personal ambitions or how I thought, you know, this is a way it's got to go. And just, you know, I, I wish I could have told myself back then, like learn to read the Bible over and against yourself, mm. not to just prove your point. But if the Bible has a warning, take that warning for yourself, not somebody else. Yeah. Read the Bible over and against yourself and, and be humble and, and listen, seek first to understand um, before you try to, you know, have, make sure people understand you. I wish I would have told myself you're going to change so many times in your lifetime, you know, from your particular positions. Mm. And so just hold things lightly. Um, I wish I would have been able to say to myself, you know, there's one thing that you could, you, you should be willing to die for as far as beliefs are concerned. And I think those things are found in the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, however you want to look at whichever one you want to use, that these are the things I'm willing to die for and all these other little cultural war things and this and that are not as important as I was trying to make them out to be. Um, so I wish I would have told myself that. Um, you know, had a little bit more instruction. I had to learn the hard way how to... Um, how to de-escalate conflict, how to resolve conflict, how to, how to apologize, um, how to be willing to not win a battle, um, because you would lose the war in winning the battle, um, to just, you know, be a more gracious, um, person. And I gradually learned those things over the years, but, um, there were some hard lessons that, that, uh, and I guess everybody has to learn those to a certain extent, but, but I think, I think just being um, really open and willing to learn and change. I, and, and I say now that if you, if you're not willing to change, you love yourself more than you love the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the Holy spirit is at work and Jesus is at work in the world and um, we will be led, not we will lead. We aren't building the kingdom. God's building the kingdom and God's future is breaking in on us. And we get to participate in that. And as a participant, it's a different level of humility than, you know, I'm doing this thing. I'm building this thing. Um, that we 
get the delight of participating with God. I wish that I would have been able to tell myself, don't be that kind of an evangelist, the kind of evangelist that I was in my early 20s and in the 30s, which was about how many decisions could be made for Jesus, how many prayers could be prayed, mm-hmm. how many, looking back now, how many people kids could be manipulated emotionally mm-hmm. to make some kind of decision that then I felt like was there, my job's done, I can move on to the next that following Jesus is not about one big decision you make in life. It's about decisions you make every single day to say yes to Jesus, mm-hmm. to remind yourself that you're to live the cruciform life, that you're, that you're to be a people of, of the gospel, which should be really good news to everybody. Mm-hmm. And if it's not good news to people, we're missing something. And to be more generous, and, and uh, I wish I would have been able to say, bless people instead of curse people when you're doing evangelism. Um, people don't like to have a finger pointed at them, tell them how wicked and evil they are, but they like to be met as human beings. Um, and I, I, my whole point of view now is to find ways to bless people and speak words of life into them and acknowledge that whether they know it or not, something of the Imago day is alive in them. Yeah. And when we can call that out, they want to talk about spiritual things. Yeah. They want to talk about Jesus. They want to talk about that stuff. And, you know, they'll get to the point where they realize I'm broken. Everybody knows they're broken. You don't have to, people know that. You don't even have to hardly tell them that. Um, and so I just, I'm so more enthused about being involved in sharing my faith now in a way that blesses people as opposed to how I did it. All right, there you go. That's our interview with the one, the only, the legend, Mike King. We thank you for his grace and wisdom, and I hope that you heard, fellow youth minister, not just the tales and stories of someone who is wise in ministry, but someone who is continually growing in ministry, and we are thankful for that. And you, Mike, if you want to check out more things about him, the links are in the show notes below for both him and for Youth Front and the amazing opportunities they have for both students and youth pastors. And if you want to catch more from Mike King, our webinar with him for Booster members is now on replay in the Booster member network that you can check out at community.youthministrybooster.com. We love Mike and we love what he means for youth ministry and what he means for us as youth pastors. But until next time, we'll see you then. I'm going to turn your world upside down. And I'm going to show you things you've never seen.